All right, welcome to Revive, the marketing podcast for manufacturers. My name is Clint. I'm here with my colleague, Austin. And today, we are welcoming a very special guest, Daryl Warren from Crestcom. He is an expert in this industry on leadership, a, a true leader in leadership and uh, offering some, some great tips on uh, leadership training, how to empower your employees, and a lot of other good nuggets here. So yeah, let's jump right into it. Today's guest is Daryl Warren from Crestcom. So thank you for joining us today, Daryl. We appreciate it. By all means, uh, guys, I appreciate you giving me some time. It's great. Of course. So why don't you start off, uh, just tell us a little bit about your role, Daryl, um, as president and what Crestcom does and how you guys uh, help other companies. Sure, sure. Uh, well, again, thanks again for uh, allowing us to chat a little bit here about leadership. It's a great key topic uh, in business nowadays. So my background really is a sales guy. Um, started out at Olden Chemical uh, selling uh, non-ferrous alloys and then got into thermoplastics. That's how I got exposed to um, Vive and the MAP group and, and everyone in plastics. So I guess plastics is running through my blood. Um, and got to a couple of forks in the road and, and purchased the Indiana license for Crestcom International. Uh, Crestcom is a global uh, leadership training and development company. Uh, been around about 30 years. We focus four competencies of leadership, uh, but no one's ever heard of us. So, so we're actively in the market uh, uh, sharing the word and, and getting to know folks. So. Uh, but yeah, my background is really a sales uh, sales guy, if you will, in uh, in manufacturing. No one, no one's heard of you yet. But now that you're on this podcast, I'll tell you what: <laughs> things are about to go through the roof now. Millions and millions of people will know who we are. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't Excellent. that be nice? Awesome. So, so what what does Crestcom do? How do you help manufacturers uh, in today's business landscape? So yeah, you talked a little bit about leadership. Sure. So yeah, we're we're always interested in stuff like that. Sure, sure. Well, again, Crestcom, uh, global uh, leadership training and development company, been around 30 years. Uh, we're in 60 countries, uh, a majority of the United States, where we hold uh, classes, public classes, to build the core competencies of leadership. So how to communicate effectively, uh, how to manage multi-generations, um, how to think strategically, how to solve problems, um, how to manage conflict. Um, so again, just core competencies of the best way to manage a group of people. We do it in a public class, uh, and it's really three primary focuses, if you will, of, of, of how we develop people. Uh, number one would be measured development. Um, we as people learn best by repeating behavior over and over and over again. Um, the one-time training event in time where you I always joke when you fly to Vegas, you have three days of great training, you know, group hug, shots of tequila, go see the Blue Man Group. Uh, it's good stuff, you know, but by the time you get back to the office, you got 120 emails to return. Uh, you put the book on the shelf, you say we're going to get back to it, and you really never do. Because um, we as people learn best by repeating behavior over and over. So we meet once a month. Uh, we cover two skill sets a month. And so, for instance, when we do November, we'll recap what we did in the month of September, uh, allowing people to kind of uh, go over the content one more time. Uh, number two would be an implementation plan. So in class, at the end of class, and each class is about four hours where we cover two modules, uh, we'll actually have the student create an action plan. Because, um, Austin, if you don't apply what you learned in class that day to Vive Manufacturing, um, or Jane applies it to ABC Molding, or whomever, what good is it? 
um, you need to apply it to your specific company and your specific organization. Uh, and we allow them to do that by creating a plan right there in class. Uh, and then the third piece, and this is really where a lot of our clients get the most value, uh, is accountability. I mean, there are lots of great training out there. I've taken a lot of great training myself. But it's all good content and theory. And until you actually apply it and someone holds you accountable to say, okay, Austin, you, you said you were going to, I don't know, use conflict resolution technique number two and three. Uh, you were having a, a problem with production and quality. They weren't getting along. Uh, you as a leader were trying to manage that. You said you were going to do X, Y, Z, use resolution technique number two and three. How did it go? Um, so we actually go out to the client's uh, location, say about, well, I don't know, about a week or 10 days after class. Uh, when you're back in the office, you've been at work for about a week. And we sit down and say, okay, here you go, Austin. You said you were going to do X, Y, Z. How did it go? Because um, sometimes the plans we create versus what we actually, uh, the results we deliver sometimes can be different, and we want to try to uh, eliminate that if we if at all possible. Yeah, for sure. So, sure. so do you work with organizations, or do you work with just people in like a big group setting of a bunch of different organizations? Exactly. So we'll hold a public class. Uh, there could be as many as 30 individuals in the room at one time representing. Well, I don't know, let's say 10 or 12 different organizations. The beauty about that is you could have a manufacturing, a, a plastic processor there. You could have a construction business there. You could have an architectural firm. Uh, you can have an IT firm. So even though we're talking about the concept of conflict, um, it, could, it could be different in different organizations, and it could be similar in different organizations. Um, so there's a lot of great organic learning. It just so happens that because my background is manufacturing, I, I focus in that area. But yes, to answer your question, there could be um, other businesses in the room. Perfect. Yep. So, so it sounds like the overarching theme to all of these classes and everything is leadership. Is that correct? Exactly. Okay. So can you t talk a little bit about the different skills that you guys teach? Because I, mean, I, I feel like a lot of people, the perception is leadership is like soft skills. There's nothing like you can actually concrete and teach someone, but I would, I would guess that you would think different. Yeah. So um, you're right. So for instance, communicating, uh, right? How, how do you communicate effectively? How do you communicate where your communication is done accurately the first time? My goodness, I, as I talk to some clients, uh, if they could eliminate the miscommunication in their organization and just handle that alone, um, their business would be, you know, miles better than they, they were previously. So, yes, yeah, soft skills of communicating, um, how to think strategically. Um, again, the, the, the newer modules that we've gotten involved with are like emotional intelligence and multi-generational conflict. You know, how do you manage an old guy like me versus a millennial? versus a Gen Zer, right? Some, some businesses are actually managing four, and in some different cases, five different generations at one time. Well, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. How do you do that effectively? So, so again, multi-generational uh, management or leadership, um, thinking strategically, planning and prioritizing, right? Problem solving. A lot of CEOs and organizations are saying, you know what, I, I'm having trouble finding employees, but even when I find them, they don't have the basic skills to solve problems. Um, so how do, you, how do you tackle that? How do you cover that? So um, for us, there's really 10 core competencies of leadership, um, driving for results, building the right team, uh, encouraging excellence, developing a customer focus. Um, again, there's 10 competencies, but basically covering those soft skills uh, that, that we just talked about. 
Excellent. Totally just had a question, but I lost it. That happens. Oh, um, do you are you seeing um, from a demographic from these training sessions? Are you seeing more like CEOs, pres- presidents, current leaders? Are you kind of starting to see a shift of people that are going to come up and be leaders in their organization? Yeah, so it's it's really both. So um, let's start with the the some of the manufacturing companies we've been working with uh, this past year. Um, manufacturing site, 24-hour operation. The supervisors are on 12-hour shifts. Um, some of them may have college degrees, some of them not. And in a couple of rare cases, uh, they didn't have a high school degree um, uh, diploma of managing a group of people they wanted to just expand upon and improve those skills so the entire first line supervision went through our training program the next feature we're going to then train the next level above them so they were able to get a lot of content and, and results they're going to expand that to their next level up if you will um, but yes we've had some ceos actually sitting on the class because really until the ceo the leader, the president, whatever uh, uh, title we want to use, uh, supports and endorses the program, you're going to have limited results. Um, so at the very least, we would want the, the leader of the organization to attend certainly the first couple of sessions to kind of launch it off well. Um, but yeah, we're seeing the whole, the whole gamut, Austin, people that are uh, either, again, in frontline supervision or reporting directly to the CEO or uh, the actual CEO, him or herself, in the class. Perfect. Yep, exactly. One of the things that's really interesting is that, um, you know, I mean, as we know that good talent is hard to find. Um, unemployment, I think, is, what, 3 4% now. Um, so organizations are fighting trying to find good talent to come into the door. So, so we don't recruit folks. That's not what we do. But we take them once they're on board and once they're working. Um, how do you build their skills? Uh, how do you make them confident to take a leadership role? Um, I always joke and say, how many times have you worked with someone and you kind of hit the person next to you and say, how did he or she get their job? <laughs> I mean, how many times has that occurred? It's like, how did they, and, and the Peter principle, they, they got promoted into uh, a level of uh, where their, their skills are maxed out. Uh, and the data tells us that probably 30, 35% of the people that are promoted actually fail. Um, and it's not because they're not smart, and it's not because they're not willing. They just don't have those skills, uh, and that's where we come in to, to help add and, and, and add those skills to them, to their team. Are you starting to see a good portion of your clients be these millennials coming up? Most definitely. Um, really interesting. So uh, you'll see all the data that says millennials, you know, of course, you need to provide a, a a good place to work, right? A good salary, a good, safe, clean and place to work. Um, but until you're contributing to their skills, and it may not be their direct skills of fill in the blank, whatever their, their current job is, but actually investing in them as, as people professionally, that they'll leave. Um, so the during the exit interviews of a lot of organizations, they'll say, hey, one of the reasons I'm leaving, it isn't salary. It's not that I don't have a great parking space or a well-lit uh, facility. Uh, it's that you guys really just aren't uh, concerned with my future development. So those organizations that are uh, investing and developing their people, quite frankly, it's a, it's a competitive advantage. Um, but yeah, the millennial group, uh, there's a lot of discussion about the millennial group, but certainly that's one of the areas is that, hey, I really want you to, to invest in me as a person, you know, whether I'm here working for ABC Molding or, or not. Are you, are you starting to see that with 
the companies that are investing in these millennials and in these future leaders have a better time hiring people? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So um, I'll give you an example. So I'm doing an event on Friday for architects. Um, our content is approved by the American Institute of Architects. So for every one hour of our training, they get a, uh, a credit, if you will, for their license. And so these, because the, the uh, architectural engineering and construction, AEC industry, is so tight, uh, the firm leaders are realizing, hey, we've got to, number one, find good talent, but most importantly, we've got to keep them. Um, and so they literally went out, pulled their uh, younger professionals and said, hey, what's it going to take for you to stay in, in my firm forever, right? Um, and, of course, they listed all the HR concerns or health insurance benefits. But when they got to the development side of things, that's where they're finding, boy, we can really make a difference here in our group versus firm number two um, because we're investing in our team. So, yeah, and, and so then the word spreads. Um, hey, Austin's firm uh, is investing in their team. We're doing a leadership development program. Oh, really? Well, there's so many different openings for architects. Well, who are you going to choose? Uh, the firm that is investing in your future development or not? And the answer is pretty clear. Yeah, I was going to ask if it I mean, I, I would assume it was about uh, recruitment and retention. So the retention, it seems to be one that people don't necessarily think of right away off the top of their head, but it's obviously just as, if not more important. Um, so yeah, that's a great point. Uh, exactly, exactly. One of the big topics at the MAP conference uh, this past week that I was hearing a lot was just these these current leaders looking for the new leadership teams to come in, but kind of being hesitant to give them that, I don't even know what the word is, give them the opportunity to, to succeed and kind of let them go. Yeah. Are you recognizing that with more people that are giving these leadership trainings, they're more open to saying, hey, like I trust you, I, you know, you went through this training, I know what you are capable of, is that more of a common theme now and they're having an easier time letting them go on the floor and do their thing? It is, to your point, an easier time. So um, I'm kind of an old guy. I've been around for a little while. And, and I'll tell you, that viewpoint is changing. In the past, it used to be, hey, I'm giving you a place to work. I'm paying you a fair salary. What more do you want? Right. Mm -hmm. Now it's a little bit more difficult. Now it's I have to do all those other things, but I have to also um, be concerned about you as a person, as a professional for tomorrow. Um, and a lot of people, different people are attributed with this saying, some people say it's Zig Ziglar that said it, others it's, you know, just a, a blanket CEO. But so the CEO says to the CFO, you know, what do you mean develop and, and invest in our people? What happens if they leave? Mm -hmm. And of course the CFO's reply is, yeah, but what happens if they stay? Right. So, so we're investing in these teams and these people. Yeah. Could they leave the door, leave out the door? Yeah, they could. But what if they stay and you don't train and develop them? Right. And your competitor does train them. Uh, what can we do to keep the good people that we've hired to keep them in the door, keep them on board? Yeah, that's the classic quote. Really interesting. Uh, yeah, that, that's great. That's a great application for that. Um, so have you seen that these companies that are adopting the Crestcom uh, leadership classes, are they able to kind of market that as something, hey, you should come work for us because we invest in our people, we retain them, we, we want to give you the opportunities for these leadership conferences? Is that something that's marketable as for a company? Very much so. Um, and, and so, again, first it starts at the top. Mm -hmm. uh, some leaders uh, feel that, yes, I need to develop and, and uh, focus and invest in my people. Others don't. 
um, and they'll have to take care of their own business. And, you know, certainly we're biased. We think that's very important. But there are some organizations that feel, you know what, I I'm not going to do that. Uh, and that's fine. Um, that is fine. And, and here's the other thing that's really interesting. What I'm finding is some leaders feel that, as, as crazy as it sounds, that if I develop my team and build up the leadership skills in the team with an outside organization, then I failed as a leader of being the CEO of the company. Hmm. And that's just not true. <laughs> in, in actuality, you're saying that, hey, I recognize that I may have great talent and skills as a CEO, but I don't know everything, right? Um, the good example I always use is, so I live here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Excuse me, in 2007, uh, the Colts won the Super Bowl. So Peyton Manning was, a, was the quarterback at that time, and of course the media you know, covered him, uh, uh, the team, way before the Super Bowl and certainly obviously way after. Uh, and one of the things that often came out is that Peyton Manning arrived at training an hour, sometimes two hours before everybody else. Now you can understand why he would do that before the Super Bowl, but after you get the ring, it's like, okay, guy, you've, you've done everything that you can do. Why are you here early? Mm -hmm. He has a mindset of I can always continually improve. Um, and so it's really our responsibility as professionals to say, okay, I want to find an organization that's going to train me. But if I don't, I need to find that training wherever I can. Uh, but, yeah, the, the clearest, easiest way is to go with an organization that, that trains and develops their own people. What are some some tactics that you've learned that help working with millennials to get them to buy into manufacturing. It's such a nitty gritty or it's known as such a nitty gritty um, right. industry. Right. So what are some of those tactics that you're going after millennials or you're teaching your leaders to teach to their millennial uh, employees um, that you've seen that are, that's helping. I mean, obviously you don't give away the, the secret sauce, but <laughs> give us a hint. Just give you a hint, right? Um, yeah. So, so first of all, and you've heard this so many times that, you can probably repeat it yourself, but, you know, answer their question of why they're there in that particular company, right? So if you're a medical molder making parts for anesthesia equipment, you know, yeah, there's a pretty direct why as to what you're doing and why you're doing it. Organizations that may mold other types of parts where there's not a direct tie-in to benefiting people, it may be a little bit harder. Um, and, and those CEOs and leaders need to really uh, fully understand their vision, fully explain it to their teams, um, and literally talk to their millennials and say, hey, what is it you're looking for? What do you need? And try to, again, answer their why. So, so that intangible of answering the why for the millennial gives them a sense of, okay, I'm not just working for a salary. Uh, I'm not just making parts. I'm not just managing a quality department. I'm actually supporting, and again, Every company has a different uh, vision and a different uh, focus. Um, but again, even just the ability that, hey, my company feels strong enough about me as a molder, production manager, quality manager, accountant, whatever the case may be, to um, uh, focus and develop my other skills, uh, my skills to lead, my skills to communicate, uh, my skills to make good decisions and, and solve problems, um, whether I use those here or at another organization, but they, they are... They're uh, supporting me fully enough that they want to invest in me today, regardless of what I do tomorrow. Right. Yep. Do you have any advice for, I mean, it's, it's such a hard transition going from, you know, these old school mentality of, of manufacturing um, and bringing that new, that new generation in. How would someone that is just like their workforce is aging, they have no millennials, how do you get them, you know, is it all recruitment going to the schools or, you know, obviously you can't teach leadership to everyone that's not going to be around. So what, 
what's that step before your training that you would recommend? Yeah, that's that's tough. So one of the your, one of the questions you're saying is, what if there are not a lot of millennials in the operation currently, and they want to um, recruit? New yeah, employees? yeah, exactly. What, what's the best approach? Well, so a couple of ways. Again, we talked about answering the why. Uh, we talked about clearly aligning your your vision with their values. So. I'd rather have a person whose values are similar to mine, and again, every company has different values, versus a master molder, right? I'd rather have an average molder, but his or her uh, values align best with our organization because I can teach them the rest of the, the rest of the skills that he or she needs. But I need to know that their values are similar to mine or ours as an organization because those organizations, the retention is the highest. Um, and then third, you have to be creative. So another approach is... Um, gamification, right? So we held a roundtable event of all manufacturers uh, that were discussing this very issue of how do you how do you attract and retain millennials? Um, because there's been a, a negative view of manufacturing of being dirty or unsafe or you know in the dark somewhere, and that's just certainly not the case. Um, so highlighting the fact that there's a lot of either gamification or technical um, attributes in our organization. We, we actually have a lot of technical uh, computer-generated um, systems in our molding. We're not just stamping out a part and shipping it. Uh, there's a lot of technical aspects and, and computer-generated aspects involved. And highlight those um, because I think that a lot of the reason some millennials do not go into manufacturing is because of a misperception. Um, they think it's dark, um, dreary, unsafe, uh, in a field somewhere. And, and I'll tell you, as you well know, uh, guys, manufacturing firms are, are cutting edge in some cases. And so those millennials that like the aspect of gamification or using systems or using computers, that can really be done in manufacturing. You're not just stamping out a part, putting it in a box, and shipping it out the door. I know you kind of touched briefly on the Gen Z um, and one thing that I'm, I'm kind of been kicking around just in myself, did manufacturing miss the boat on millennials and now they're kind of have to, they're forced to turn their attention to Gen Z and recruitment of that? Yeah, without a doubt, because my goodness, as I look back at some of the manufacturing firms I've worked with over the years, there really wasn't a, even an awareness of anyone other than the boomers. Cause we were all, uh, the, the folks in management or leadership were all the old guys and gals, right? That's changing. I mean, the uh, what is it? Ten thousand people are age eligible to retire every day. Um, as 401ks get up to a certain level, people are going to be like, "I'm out of here." Um, I've been working 20, 30, 40 years, and you know, uh, me and the wife or the husband or myself have saved up X dollars. We're out of here. Mm -hmm. um, so that vacuum being left is not going to be filled by boomers. It's going to be filled by Again, millennials and, and the next generation um, uh, afterwards, Gen Zs. So, so I, I think organizations have missed the boat, but I think the smarter, forward-thinking, humble leaders are realizing they don't have all the answers, and they're saying, okay, what can we do to make uh, manufacturing attractive? Let's go to the, not just only the high schools, let's go to the, um, uh, what's the next level? Elementary schools. Middle schools, yeah. Right? Middle schools, right. And highlight the fact that manufacturing is strong here in the United States. Show them the, the new introductions in, in uh, manufacturing, what's new in the area, to at least give them the aspect of saying, wow, I could really be a tool builder and, and work with computers and, and make a, enough living to take care of my family. 
yeah, you can't, <laughs> you know? So right. there, there's just a lot of misperception out there. And, and you're right. I think that um, uh, in the past, leaders have missed the boat. But here's what's driving them to get on the boat, okay, and, and make changes is when they go out and they have an opening for um, a manufacturing engineer, a quality engineer, or a molding technician, and they put in the newspaper, they have an opening, and they expect 200 people to knock on the door, guess what? That, that's not happening. So it's like, okay, I need, and, and especially in a rural area. So I live here in Indiana. Uh, I'm right on the outskirts of Indianapolis proper, but there's smaller towns. Um, Anderson is, is one where the people that are living there were born there. Chances are they'll die there. Uh, they're not commuting to Indianapolis. How do the manufacturing companies in a particular zip code compete for the finite number of workers in that area? So you can either, 10 years ago, you can just open the doors, hire people, close the doors, you were good. That's not the case any longer. So um, what's driving it? One are forward-thinking leaders, but honestly, a large part that's driving it is necessity. You know, what can we do as a leadership team to uh, get good talent in the door? And here's the key, keep them in the door, right? Because right. hiring is, my goodness, the, the, there's costs all over the place as to what does it cost to hire someone and then have to rehire someone, right? What does right. that cost organization? So, yeah, it's, it's really an exciting time, though, because um, exciting certainly from our perspective, from a development perspective, probably not uh, a fun, exciting time for some manufacturers because, again, talent is, is so critical. But I love that area, and, and I've seen the um, ebbs and flows of the industry, and it's certainly very much an uh, employee's market, if you will, right now. Definitely. As you guys well know. Absolutely. For sure. Probably my second or third client – uh, here in Indiana was a manufacturing company in Anderson. Uh, Anderson is a smaller rural area that used to be very strong in, um, so as automotive and manufacturing moved away, it certainly left Anderson in a pretty um, dire straits. So my client there, we met with the leadership team and, and the CFO pulled me to the side and he says, Daryl, our CEO wants to do this. He goes, but I'll be honest with you. I don't think you can, I think someone either has it or they don't. I don't think you can actually develop a person to be a better leader. They either are or they're not. Uh, and I, I, you know, very much disagreed with him. And I said, well, let's just let's just test it out. You know, who are your most challenging employees? Well, he pointed out two. Of course, they'll remain nameless. And sure enough, these guys came into the class, arms folded. Uh, they had just come off of a 12-hour shift. They didn't want to be there. They were like, why am I here? I got things to do. I'm tired. Um, and so the first couple of months, I'll be honest, were a challenge, but I got to tell you by month three or four, this uh, person I'm thinking about stayed after class. He's asking me questions. Hey, what about this? What about that? My thoughts are this. Um, and so they graduated now our, our classes for a full year. The CFO literally had to pull me to the side during a little celebration and say, you know what? I, I'm not too big to, uh, say when I'm wrong. And, and I was wrong because I think he just wasn't seeing from Joe, and literally that's his name, but <laughs> wasn't seeing from Joe what Joe had to offer, right? Because he would give Joe his requirements when he came in on shift. Joe would get his um, job done and go home. But but the uh, CFO and the leadership of the team wasn't pulling the guys to the side and gals to the side and saying, hey, what, what do you really need? What do you want to make your job better? And so anyway, so yeah, that was just, I think the takeaway there is don't assume uh, with your staff, 
um, and certainly with, with all the manufacturers I met at the MAP group, um, I think very few are assuming anything about the team. And then I guess just lastly, you know, we're certainly biased that a coach and, and a, a group that has organized structure development is key. But if it's not through Crestcom, you know, develop somewhere, right? I mean, becoming, so yes, there are a lot of positions out there, but each employee, it's their responsibility to really stay current on everything, whether it's technical skills or soft skills, problem solving, strategic thinking. There's a lot on the internet now that was, that's there now that wasn't there when I was growing up. So you can absorb a lot of content, but Again, similar back to the example of Peyton or, or Tiger Woods or any professional, whether it's an athlete or not, uh, the best approach is really to have someone walk you through it, right? Mm -hmm. to, to coach you through, to, to help give you the input that you need uh, to support you. So again, whether it's through Crestcom or any other training development group, um, we certainly would support that versus uh, trying to do it alone. So, uh, so yeah, I think that would be it, Alston. It's remarkable what can happen uh, to your team once you invest in your employees. So, Awesome. Whatever, uh, if someone else wanted to get some more information on Crestcom or some of these leadership trainings, do you have uh, somewhere that they could go, a website, a YouTube channel? What's your... Uh, or CrestcomLeadership.com uh, is our website. Certainly would love to share with you uh, what we do, how we do it, and really find out what's going on in, uh, uh, in your plan or your operation. Well, that, that's going to wrap it up, I think. So, uh, Daryl, we appreciate it again. Um, Daryl Warren, president of Crestcom. So, yeah, everybody go check it out, uh, and uh, we will be in touch soon then. Excellent. Excellent. I appreciate you guys uh, talking with me here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Yeah, yeah thanks a lot, Daryl. Yeah, we appreciate it, Daryl. Thank you. All right, perfect. Thank you to Daryl Warren from Crestcom. A lot of great information there on leadership and leadership training. If you're looking for some more information on what Crestcom does, uh, feel free to visit their website, crestcomleadership.com, or reach out to Daryl personally, uh, daryl.warren at crestcom.com. Well, that's it for, uh, for our show today. We really appreciate everyone uh, joining in and listening. Don't forget to subscribe and uh, leave us a note if you liked what you heard.